I just want to say this morning, and I was just sharing with Mike how I thought that, and the others that are here too sharing it, I, I thought that God had stopped me in, in, in the midst of just finishing up the tail end, the first part of a book on image, and uh, thought it was this, why is he, he's got me doing this whole different thing. By the time I was done with it, again, going over it this morning, I realized it has everything to do with image, proper image, which thing is true in him, and this is image in 1 John 5.20. Which thing is true in him and in you? And I'll read that and then we'll get into <laughs> and I'll trust God with you and we'll all do it. To, we have the privilege to do this together. And 1 John 5, well look at 1 John 5 verse 18. It says, We know that whosoever is born of God sins not. But he that is begotten of God, that's the new life we received when we received it from Christ, right? keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not. That's position. Can't touch it. You see that? The wicked one touches us not. That's position. That's image. That is how God sees us constantly. Meaning, it, it, it's not that he doesn't see us sin. It just doesn't treat us after it because his son paid for it. I remember, remember a long time ago my, <laughs> when we taught on this, I forget what year that was, but it had, it had to be around 2010. We were meeting in the Alva, in Alvarado at the La, La Quinta Inn, and we talked about how God doesn't know us after our past, and boy, that... <laughs> so many people were knowing themselves, and like any of us can do when we are in the flesh, right? But the wicked one touches him not, verse 19, and we know that we are of God. That's key. Are of God. What does it mean of God? We were begotten of him than having anything to do with ourselves. That's the finished work of Christ on Calvary. And the whole world, that whole world system lies in the wickedness. Lies in wickedness. Some will say lies in the lap of the wicked one. The whole world system has to do with the wicked one. It's all based upon a lie. <laughs> right? Darkness and hatred. Hatred for the light. You can read that in John chapter 3 and start verse 16 for God's all of the world and bring it all the way down to the 21st and 22nd verse. You know? I'll come to the light because I, I, I'm intreatable. I love light. But men love darkness. And when I live in darkness, do I want the light? And we know that, the, that and, and, and uh, so again, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come. That's huge. <laughs> and, and, what he's, and the reason he came, we know that in propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation, which goes into imputation, impartation. It goes into regeneration, redemption, all these different things when it says that here. And has given us, that's grace, right? Because if God gives anything, no one deserves it in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 has given us an understanding, and that understanding we have is 1 John 2.20 and 2.27. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us that understanding based upon John 16, 13, and 14. We have an understanding that we may know experientially <laughs> that, that that is true and that we are in Him that is true even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is image. 
This is the true God and eternal life, which is your true image. Verse 21, what gets in the way? Who are, who's he speaking to? Those that are Christ positioned in him. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. All these imaginations. All imaginations, right? Now, I'm going to share one little thing, and these things are going to... So if, if you see these repeated in a booklet, because they will be. <laughs> they will be. I know this about myself. This is what I know about me. My heart, my heart gets cold when intimacy with Christ is not my focus. That's why Hebrews 12, you know, burdens come in. We all have burdens. We all have weights. Hebrews 12, 1, lay aside every weight. Now, when it says weight there, I want you to think of Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. That's weight. Lay aside every weight. In this, because if you don't, the sin that will easily trip you up, <laughs> that we make so much of, really, the sin, that'll trip you up in the race. And that race has to do with your experiential growth in Christ in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. That's why in 12.2 we're to look away. Look away. How quickly? From all that would distract, what? Unto Jesus. Some, some men say, having eyes only for Jesus. When I have eyes only for Jesus, I have God's view of me in the righteousness that Christ has made me to be in the very presence of God. That's based upon 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30 and Job 36 and verse 7. He never removes his eye from the righteous and Christ is our righteousness. His only view of me, God forbid that I live in the grossest, most evil, most filthy sins. Doesn't matter. That's God's view of me. Now how do I view myself? And then how do I view others? Because even if I'm taught, even if I'm taught the word of God and, and Christ is not my one desire, my one expectation in Psalm 62 verse 5, that all that is left is cold theology and doctrine. No wonder it says that in Matthew 24, 11 and 12. And because iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. <laughs> it just wax cold. What's that talking about? Well, for us as believers in the church age, that's, that's talking about, obviously, that's not going about just prior to judgment. That's still the earth in Matthew 24, and verse 11 and 12, and even goes into the millennial reign, believe it or not. But for us, it's leaving our first love, the freshness and the intimacy of his love with us in Revelations 2 and verse 4. Everything gets cold. So then I separate Christ and intimacy from the word. From teaching. Begin to separate it. Now here's, here's the thing, and I'm going to stop with that part of it. Because that goes into so much more. And I've shared on this, God has had me share his thoughts on this to me. And dealing with me personally, which he always does and continues to do and will continue to do. And what he needs to teach me is this. Sin is only learnt in God's presence. Now by that, I do not mean <laughs> that the only way to get into his presence is sin. Because he can't even look on it 
and Habakkuk 1.13. His eyes are so pure, he cannot even look on sin. Thank God, when he sees us, what does he look on? He looks on his son, who dealt with it and removed it in Psalm 103, verse 12. But the only way I can learn it properly is in with him in intimacy, to understand the depth, the horror, and the evil of it without being affected by it. Again, this has to do with image. Now, here's the difference. The difference between learning sin in God's presence and by falling into it is huge. It's very great. You and I may sin. We may feel sin deeply. We may. Because we, we committed it. But this never gives you and I God's sense of what sin is. Never does. God's definition of it is the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the measure of sin in the sight of God. That's its measure. Whether it's what we consider to be a huge sin or a small sin, as we would determine it, outside of his presence. But that is the distance. Notice this distance. Enemies always trying to create this through his lies. <laughs> that is the distance in which all sin is from him. Now, are our sins paid for? Yes. But can I live in them through a lie? Yes. Does it change God's view of me? No. Does it change my view of myself and of God? Yes. Does it change my view of everything? Yes. Does the lack of intimacy, does it affect my relationship with God in every single relationship I have, especially in a local assembly and with every other human being, does it? Yes. Absolutely does. Does. You know how I learned? That is something I have had to learn and will continue to learn. And in that distance, listen to this, in that distance, for us in Christ, it is removed and atoned for. Atonement has to do here with Christ the substitute. Thereby, we're reconciled. Some have said the better word for atonement is reconciliation. And I see, I, as God's bringing in, I think, that substitute and reconciliation, <laughs> yeah, that's potential, but when I have it, you don't separate the two. It goes into expiation also and some of the things that we've been taught about that word expiation. Now, that's removed. The cross is that, that thing that teaches me that. And only there... In God's presence, do I personally measure it as it pains my conscience and deforms it? Yeah, but that's just me. That's not God's view of it. That's just mine and how it affects me. And that's what I make the, the, uh, to be the main thing. How it affects me. How sin affected me. The distance it created in me. How it deformed me. And now I think in that deformity, that in the sight of God and everyone else, that's me. No, it's not. <laughs> and hence, what do we do? We make one sin greater to ourselves than another. And the one sin that I commit, that becomes, therefore, necessarily the one that I feel about. 
And it's just my sense, but not God's sense. It's just my sense. It's my sense of it according to my condition and based upon my conscience. But do I have a cleansed conscience? In Hebrews 10, 1 and 2, right down to the 10th verse, right down to the 14th verse in Hebrews the 10th chapter. Yes, I do. But can I function? When I don't see things, when I don't have a pure image in my experience, which is the equal of my position, when it's not, is all things pure? No, to the pure, all things are pure. But to them that are not believing, even their conscience is defiled. And that's what I use to gauge everything. Yes. And it's my sense. But it's not God's. I'll tell you one, the only one that could measure that distance was between God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. If God himself had to be propitiated before anyone's sins could be dealt with, how great was that distance? Well, that's what we do. My conscience is active according to my apprehension of God's claims and appointments for me, not his. Where do you think all this terrible, evil teaching comes from? Covenant theology, lordship salvation, and on and on it goes. Well, for me, I make it to be about me, and I live in departing in distance from his will is is Christ God's will fulfilled in me? In my new image? In John 4, verse 34, is it? Yes, it is. Yes, he is. And what? And then what? Do I live in subjection to his word? Do I? And does the word teach me what sin is? Sin 